This is the FoxSportsFlorida.com Miami Heat podcast. I'm your host, Siri Fernandez, and with me this week is longtime Miami Heat broadcaster Jose Pañeda, uh, the voice of the Heat uh, for, for many Latinos in the South Florida community. How's it going? Uh, very well. Uh, thank you for inviting me. It's uh, a pleasure to, to be with you. And, uh, you know, uh, another season here, the Miami Heat, year 27 uh, for myself. Uh, so, uh, it's always excited with what's going on and uh, another season, another challenge. And uh, like I said, uh, we always hope uh, to win a championship. Uh, we've won three in the past uh, 27 years, so uh, 26 years, I should say. So maybe, you know, we always uh, look for, for others as well. It's been so long that you've been part of the Heat organization. Uh, how many Heat lifers are left? Because I know you're one of the original ones, and I, I find it so interesting that uh, along with you, it's also Eric Reed and Tony Fiorentino, and maybe a couple other people in the organization, right? That is correct. We have about, uh, I want to say that the uh, official count is somewhere between six and seven um, that have been with the Heat uh, since day one. Um, and others have, have been, uh, like uh, Ron Rossi, for instance, uh, was with the Heat uh, day one as the uh, head coach of the first ever Miami Heat team in 1998. I'm sorry, 1988. And uh, he went, uh, he was there for, with the team for, for three years. Then he went off to do other things. And he came back as the sole um, head coach as well, the uh, WNBA. And now uh, he's one of our broadcast partners and for many years assistant coach for the Miami Heat as well. So we consider him part of the, of the Heat Lifer family as well. And and how did you how did you get a hold of the job? Where did that come from? As I mean, you it, it was just a franchise. Uh, it was just going to be starting up, but you could never imagine that after all these years, you'd still be with with this team with the same job, right? Uh, that that is correct. <laughs> um, you you know, I uh, graduated from uh, FIU in 1986 with a degree in marketing, and basically, I uh, applied to to many things that I in. They always tell you in in school and, and in real life as well. Uh, always try to do or always try to work at something that you really like. Because if you don't work at something you really like, you're, you're going to be very very unhappy. And, and then uh, um, you know I, again. So I, I led uh, that way in terms of trying to find a place where I like to where I remember applying for the Miami Dolphins back then. It was the only basically other franchise that was uh, available. Uh, there was also um, the Grand Prix of Miami and, and some other things that I, I enjoyed and, and marketing-wise as well. I always thought I was, was going to do uh, commercials and films and, and stuff like that. And, uh, and through a friend of a friend of a friend, um, they knew that I was interested in, in some type of sports. And somebody said, hey, listen, there's a possible uh, uh, team coming up. They're trying to get a, a basketball team in Miami. So um, I got involved with that group. Uh, back in 1987, so actually I've been with the Heat before there was a name. There was no name. I was involved in the process uh, for the, the naming of the team. Um, and uh, a year after, um, basically, some of that, that, that came to fruition in April of 1988, the, uh, they awarded the Heat uh, the franchise, I think it was. And uh, in July, I was asked to, to start in season ticket sales. And that was my foot in the door. I had done... A lot of work with them selling um, what it was uh, deposits. We needed 10,000 deposits to be able to get the franchise. I remember right. the deposits were $95 commitments, and that if the franchise was awarded by the NBA, then they would have to follow up uh, with a, a season ticket commitment. And um, I did very well in the Hispanic community. I was the only Hispanic 
a salesperson in the office, and I did very, very well with my connections, uh, although I was very young, but I had uh, a lot of uh, connections. And um, basically, after one year of doing um, the, uh, the the sales, I uh, applied for the radio job that was that became available in Spanish, and I'd never done that. I went to Radio Shack, got a little tape recorder, sat in the exhibition game, and and recorded uh, the game left and right. I had no experience whatsoever. I handed it in, and I don't know how, but uh, 27 years later, 26 years later, here I am uh, broadcasting uh, for the you know three-time NBA champion Miami Heat. Yeah, it's it's amazing how far they've come. Uh, where did you guys work from? It was probably not even at the Miami Arena, right? It was probably just out of an office? That's correct. Uh, we were at the Chopin Plaza, uh, which is really ironic because uh, in 2006, when we won our first championship, uh, the parade route took us right in front of where um, many years before we started uh, what was a dream of the uh, a basketball team in Miami. Like I said, we didn't have a name yet. Um, so uh, it, it was at the Chopin Plaza that we moved into the Miami uh, arena uh, that was uh, being constructed uh, by then uh, Mayor uh, uh, Javier Suarez. And uh, you, a few years later, we're all now at the beautiful American Airlines Arena. So we've gone through a, a number of phases and uh, a couple of other uh, championship runs and, and uh, parades down Biscayne Boulevard, also in front of uh, Chopin Plaza there uh, next to the Intercontinental Hotel. And, and again, it's been um, an incredible ride, and it still is a ride every day. It's, it's an exciting day, uh, you know, and a challenge. Right. And, and uh, do you remember any of the other names that, that Miami was considering as far as their nickname? Oh, I think, you you know, the Manatees, uh, the Flamingos, uh, probably the Pelicans as well. Um, you know, the Old Floridians, that was the original name of, right. the, um, uh, of the ABA team that was down here that played. I remember watching a couple of those games at the the, the convention center in Miami Beach. So there were a number, number of, uh, of teams and uh, of names that were submitted. And uh, finally, obviously, uh, the Heat stuck. And it's uh, I think it's a, it's a great name. There's no doubt about it. And. It's become an incredible uh, franchise, an incredible uh, brand. Uh, the Heat brand is everywhere. Um, we were just in uh, L.A. and against the Clippers, and the chance of "Let's Go Heat" uh, in in the game, you know, in the State Staples Center was just incredible. And uh, again, with uh, our championships and and with the culture that the Heat has established, uh, we have fans all over the world. Heat Nation is everywhere. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I noticed, uh, especially um, that preseason game in Brazil. Even there was there was a lot of Heat fans. Sure. What's what's that Heat presence like on on road road games? Well, you know, it's 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 dependent on, on, on what's going on. Obviously, um, uh, we've been the target in the last few years, so we were the best team in the NBA, and so everybody was giving us our, our best effort. Uh, but everybody likes to see good basketball and a good team, and. And uh, Miami's all, always put a great product forward. And in the last few years, that's what we've had. Again, there's been ups and downs, and this year is no different. Uh, there's always challenges. Uh, but um, the Heat has always been, uh, like I said, a, a team that has uh, demanded respect, has demanded you know, um, full effort on the court, off the court as well. And I think that the, the fans appreciate that. And once you develop a fan base, uh, there'll be Heat fans forever. And that's why you see that, like I said, that Heat Nation all over the world. Uh, the following us, you see it on social media, obviously on Twitter. We have an incredible following. Millions follow the Heat on, on, uh, on Twitter and, and Facebook. And again, uh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's an incredible feeling to, to be part of this organization. 
Yes, and and I noticed I noticed that there was news um, that the Heat were like the top retailer of, of 2014. So I think that really speaks uh, on the impact that that they've had. And yeah, well, we, the group that we have there, uh, Andy Montero, Crazy Andy, that runs the show there, along with all his uh, all his assistants there, they do an incredible, incredible job maximizing um, you know everything possible in terms of merchandising. Very sharp our marketing department as well of how to how to distribute and how to expose our merchandise uh, not only to our you know Heat fans in Miami but all over the world uh, with uh, the MiamiHeatStore.com. Uh, again, available 24-7, uh, 365 days a year, and anybody in the world can get anything they want uh, on heat merchandise, and, and they do an incredible incredible job. I think that's one of the, the greatest departments that we have uh, at the Miami Heat, no doubt about it. <laughs> Definitely. And um, what what has been the biggest change in the franchise uh, since you've been there? I, I think it really everything started as far as, Building a championship team is when when Mickey Harrison took over, and then shortly after hired Pat Riley. Well, I, I think you're actually right. You hit the nail on the head. Um, it was in 1995. I remember it uh, vividly. And uh, that hiring of Pat Riley, and they brought that culture. You know, uh, Pat Riley had the reputation of, of having an incredible teams. So with his championships uh, in Los Angeles with Showtime. And then he tried to do the same thing in, in New York and got to a finals in New York as well, but wasn't able to win, uh, but had a very competitive team uh, with the New York Knicks. And he brought that same style, that same culture uh, to uh, the Miami Heat, and it just changed it all around. And when you have an owner also like uh, Mickey Harrison is committed to, to winning and, and, to, uh, and to having just the best team uh, on the court and off the court as well as great citizens as, as the Heat are, uh, well, that's uh, that's a, an incredible combination. It all starts from the top. Uh, just look at other teams, um, not to criticize other teams, but you look at other things that are going on in other teams and what happens, and there's a lot of turmoil, and you don't see that here with the Miami Heat. There's always great stability. Um, you don't hear many things coming out of uh, management and ownership because that's the way they work behind the scenes. They don't like to be in front. They're not in the press. They're not in front of the newspapers. Uh, there's no rumors coming out. It's very, very tight, and that's the way you want it. Everything stays in-house, and uh, that's why when you have uh, surprises, uh, that's what it is, a surprise, because everything is always kept in- inside and nobody, there's no leaks. And I think that that's very important. But more important than that, obviously, is, like I said before, the culture that's established by the organization, by Mickey. I remember meeting with Mickey Harrison in 1985 when he took over. And I remember him telling me that, uh, you know, at the time, it was the San Francisco 49ers that were the elite team. That was when Joe, Joe Montana was, was winning all those those uh, championships in the NFL with the 49ers. And uh, I remember the that uh, that organization was the top organization in probably in sports in the United States. And, and I remember Mickey saying to me, listen, we're going to be like that or even better. And I think that there's no doubt about it that that has happened uh, with this organization. And, and you see that also uh, the league uh, very much enjoys the Miami Heat and what the Heat does uh, in best practices. Everybody comes to the Miami Heat to see how we handle things from merchandising to social media uh, to, mer- uh, to marketing as well, um, and how we handle the arena situation as well, customer service, season ticket services. It- it's amazing how we are the benchmark in many of these areas uh, for the NBA and how many other teams come uh, throughout the year to see what we are doing. And again, it- it's-, it's a great uh, honor and a privilege to work for this team, and, and it shows the-, the hard work and dedication of this team as well. 
Right, and and you you really are a heat lifer. They can really they can they they not only can talk it, but they can really prove it. Uh, they they've had so much stability um, uh, from the top as well. They're all the way down to the bottom. We've seen um, many people. I, I've I've noticed from covering the the heat. I, I see the same people year after year. They're always working there. They're always working with a smile. Uh, they're and they're. Uh, I think that comes from the top, you know, I think that just trickles all the way down and, and it is a top notch organization. And I, uh, leading up to that, uh, this is a season in, in transition. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, they may or may not be building up for, for 2016. Uh, do, do you feel like, you know, just from watching this year's team, this season's team, uh, how, 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 how do you feel like they, they must be better than their record, but, but how far can they go? Well, first of all, let me let me uh, respond to something uh, that you, you finished up with uh, uh, just a few seconds ago, and that was that yes, I am a heat lifer, and I am one privileged to have been here since day one. And not many people can say that in any organization, in any uh, in, in any uh, form of business uh, around not only the states but the world. You know that they've been with the, with their same organization for so long. Right. But there are many others that have been with the Heat. You know, the Heat has been in existence now for 27 years, but there are others that have been here for over 20 years or over 15 years. That's a lot of time in today's world, you know, that there's not that much transition, especially, you know, in, in, the, uh, in, in many of the top positions with the team. And, and even not the, the, the top positions, but people just don't leave because it's, it's such a great organization to work there and the people that we work with as well. So you don't see much transition, and that's very, very rare. And, and for those who do come up into the organization and the young people that come to the organization and work for maybe three, four, five years only, that experience that they have, you know, every time somebody leaves, I mean, you see their emails saying, you know, it's been an incredible ride and experience for us to be with this organization and they move on to other and bigger better things for them having um having uh, experienced just a, a fantastic time with the miami heat learning about the business and learning about the culture and so on and so, so forth now uh, about uh, this year's uh, team uh, unfortunately you know we uh, found out the news that uh we were going to be missing a certain player. Um, you know, the team uh, took about 20 minutes to react and then started filling the pieces where where possible and uh, signing a long-term contract uh, with Chris Bosch. Obviously, we had Dwayne Wade um, signing also guys like uh, uh, Walt Deng, uh, Mike Roberts, Granger. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we had the injury with um, Mike Roberts. We'll be out the rest of the year. And that definitely put a, a little bit of a... Of a, of, a, of a monkey wrench, as they say, in the in this uh, plan that the Heat had this year, I think that they would be a lot more competitive. Obviously, yeah. uh, if they would have uh, the uh, team that they thought they were going to have, uh, which we only had for a total of two games and 34 minutes, yeah. the starting lineup that was projected for this year. So you can see that it was very little um, time together. But it is what it is. You have to, that happens in the NBA. You have to you know deal with uh, the situation at hand. Um, Riley always says, listen, no matter what uh, the situation is, uh, the only thing you can do is deal with it. And we deal with it in the most positive way possible. I think we've found some diamonds in the rough. Uh, you know, you see uh, Hassan Whiteside lately has become a, you know, a phenomenon, not just for the Miami Heat, but around the NBA right now, you know, sort of like what we saw with Linsanity a few years ago. Um, we, we're seeing the same thing with uh, Hassan Whiteside. Uh, and I still think you see uh, Coach Polstra 
making constant changes to, to adapt to the situation at hand. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, injuries as well. Uh, Dwayne Wade, uh, from uh, today's uh, interview with you, has missed now nine games uh, where the Heat is four and five without him. Um, Chris Bosh missed uh, eight, eight games previously, the Heat three and five without him. Uh, there have been other injuries as well. Obviously, McRoberts out the, the rest of the year. Bergman was out a lot. So we've had 15 different uh, lineups up to date. Last year we had 21. Very difficult to, to, to get some type of consistency. And that's what I guess uh, what's been most consistent about the Heat this year has been the inconsistency. And uh, but again, you have to just deal with it. Uh, these are professionals. Next man up, as Coach Bolstra always likes to say, um, if somebody's not available, the next guy has to, 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 to you know to be ready and ready to play, and and uh, that's why they're in the, the NBA. Only 15 players get to, to are allowed in each team, and it's a very very small uh, fraternity, and they have to be re- ready and, uh, and able and willing to do whatever is possible. And uh, that's the situation that he finds himself in right now. But you know, we're in the Eastern Conference, uh, Syria, and uh, I think that uh, you'll find that at the end uh, of the year, Miami will be in the mix somehow. Uh, the situation and in uh, the playoffs, and anything can happen when you're in there. Yeah, and and you mentioned Whiteside's promise, uh, and and they have definitely have a, a decent group of, of veterans, of course, uh, with, with Dang and, and Bosch and Wade. But you also see kind of a youth movement going on with Whiteside, uh, with Shabazz Napier. Now he's playing a little bit more. Uh, James Ennis has been a, a regular contributor to the lineup as well, um, and you, and you also have Justin Hamilton uh, and. Do you think that those kind of um, players will get more playing time? Uh, and also Tyler Johnson as well. Uh, do you see Spolster going that routine, or do you think he's going to continue to just mix and match regardless of players' experiences to get the right combination? Like every coach in every league is going to try to do the best possible to make, to win. Um, you know, it's surprising me sometimes when people say, well, why didn't this guy play? Why didn't that guy play? What is... You know, what is a coach doing here or there? You know, believe me, uh, there's nobody that has more pressure than head coach of any team. And there's nobody who wants to win more than uh, Coach Spolstra and his assistants as well. And they know what's going on every day in practice. They see what they have every day in practice. Uh, they're attached to the team more than anybody else. you got to remember that the team practices are closed uh, to the outside world, and people don't know what goes on really inside those practices. Um, and again, they will always try to find the best mix possible. Plus, you also don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always trades going on. You're always looking at mixing and matching that situation. Uh, management is always looking, you know, uh, at Riley and, and the staff, Andy Ellsberg, and the entire, um, you know, front office staff is looking to see how to improve the team. Uh, I'm sure they get offers every day. That happens every day, but you just don't hear about these. Uh, because that's the nature of the business. Uh, but you always try to get the best, uh, you know, group possible on the floor. I do believe that, you know, the Heat uh, made a commitment this year, the next few years as well, to keep winning. There's no doubt about that. And that uh, still is the commitment to, to do as best as possible to get into the playoffs and uh, to keep uh, trying to win championships. And that has not uh, changed in any way, shape, or form. Obviously, you don't have the talent right now because of certain situations. Players have either left or we have a lot of injuries, but that doesn't change the fact that you always want to win the championship, and that's your main goal. And that should always be your main goal is to win championships. That's what you're in it for. Um, so, uh, again, uh, the Heat will do and Spolster will do whatever possible to use the mix and match uh, the players that are available. And, you know, you also want to make sure that the players that are on the, on the court are 
you know, capable uh, of doing their jobs as well. You don't want to rush any, like, rookies, for instance, into a situation where it puts him in a, in a, in a bad light or he gets, uh, you know, exposed in a certain way because it's very, very different, you know, from the you know, college level to the pros. Again, you're shrinking the level of talent now to the elite of the world. And, uh, again, um, you got to be patient with what's going on. And, again, being in the Eastern Conference, uh, the Heat uh, is doing everything possible. And whenever there's, a, whenever there's an injury, you make sure that the player is 100% before coming back. There's no rushing. Uh, you don't want to um, uh, damage the player in any way or you don't want to um, uh, make it worse than it is. Um, and, again, it's a long, long season. We're about halfway through right now, but there's still a long, long way to go. And, um, like I said, anything can happen, especially in the Eastern Conference. Yes, and, and you preach patience. Uh, Heat fans have been so accustomed to winning these last four years. Um, just overall, though, from your experience, um, how important has been the, the Hispanic uh, voice within Heat Nation? I, I'm sure that you have a unique perspective on that. Well, again, you know, uh, because of where we live in South Florida and especially the city of Miami, which is a gateway really of, of Latin America, um, we have uh, a unique situation where the majority is the minority. Uh, basically, yeah. the majority of our fans uh, are Hispanic. Uh, we also do uh, a lot of studies and and surveys in the heat year after year, either one or two with San Antonio in terms of uh, most season ticket holders with Hispanic backgrounds or Hispanic um, um, fans or Hispanic fans attending games, Hispanic fans watching or listening to games as well. Uh, the Heat are always at the top. So in the Heat, again, through uh, management and, and, and the front office have always understood that the Hispanic community is a, a big, big part of the Heat fan base. Um, and I remember that when Heat started in 1988, uh, there was no tradition. This is not like New York or Boston or Philadelphia you know, where uh, the Lakers, you know, the teams that have existed, you know, since the 50s or 60s or 70s, you know, the Heat just started in 1988. And I remember that first year, nobody knew exactly what, what the Heat was with basketball. And, you know, from my, um, you know, my age group and, and, and my generation, um, the only thing that we had before the Heat, unless you were born in the Northeast or in one of these other cities, if you were born and raised in Miami as I was, all you had exposure to the NBA was uh, on Sundays, uh, the NBA on CBS. And basically there were two teams that were always on TV, the Lakers and the Celtics. So you, right. you were either a Celtic fan or a Laker fan, and that was it. So the transition into becoming a Heat fan and explaining what the Heat was all about and getting into the Heat community. I remember in 1988 we were in Calle Ocho. In 1988, the first year, we were in Cayo Ocho, but it was only like maybe, you know, two or 3,000 people that attended Cayo Ocho. Now you have a million people attending, you know, the, the great festival put on by the Kiwanis of Little Havana. Yeah. And we were always involved in the organizations in, in, the, in the Hispanic community. The Tamiami Youth League, uh, the Kiwanis Club of Little Havana, the League Against Cancer, we always try to get involved in all these Hispanic organizations and, and charitable organizations as well, Amigos for Kids. Um, and many other uh, charities and, and organizations that are in other community grassroots efforts. And these kids, you know, are with uh, low-income 
uh, families maybe or, or families that, that, that come from other countries, especially South and Central America, that didn't know about basketball. But, you know, once they got to Miami and they, they knew about the Heat and we were involved with them and, and they got a T-shirt that said Miami Heat on it, you know, they became huge Heat, huge heat fans, and, and that's what it's all about. <laughs> that's great. Uh, all right, well, thank you so much for, for spending some time uh, talking with us and uh, really appreciate it. Uh, how can uh, we follow you on Twitter? How can we listen to you during the games? Sure. The uh, the games are broadcast on Univision Radio in Spanish on 7, 10 a.m. Radio Mambi during uh, the regular season. And once the Marlins start, uh, we move over to FM 98.3. Uh, so um, we have uh, that on the uh, radio side on 98.3. And then on uh, on the um, um, Twitter side, you can follow me at um, Arroba, which is at La Voz del Heat, at La Voz del Heat, where you could uh, find all the information, daily information I put out regarding the heat, there's some stats, pictures of when we're on the road as well and at home and uh, starting lineups. So um, all the information you want uh, with the Miami Heat, you can find it there. And also we have our, our Spanish uh, website as well, elheat.com. So for those who want to uh, take a little peek there, we do a little recap of every game. There's also features that we do with Mari Monge, who's our, our reporter for uh, elheat.com in Spanish. So um, there's a bunch of, uh, of uh, platforms that you can follow the Miami Heat, no doubt about it. Fantastic. Thank you again so much. We'll talk later. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.